2: Welcome to the Pat Mayo experience presented by DraftKings. Week one, NFL recap. Week two, waiver wire pickups and injuries. This is going to be sort of the pre version of the full waiver wire show. I'll be doing a full waiver wire and injury show later on on Monday afternoon once we have a bit more information and we've had time to digest it in full disclosure we record this Sunday evening show towards the beginning of the first quarter of the Sunday Night Football game so there's not going to be a ton of information on Sunday Night Football either I want something up for the people out there like you who are watching who are listening who maybe you're on the West Coast you're just up for a while maybe you're an insomniac and want something to listen to my dulcet tones might be able to put you to bed on Sunday evenings and frankly I just want to talk about fucking football. So, smash the like button to the video, sub to Mayo Media Network, and in the comment section, please... Give me your favorite play for Monday Night Football, be it a prop, a total, a side, whatever it might be, an alt first half line. I want to know what you guys are up to. Or maybe what your biggest story was from Week One of the NFL. The one thing that really surprised you. Oh, I do have a thousand bucks to give away, by the way. So if you just hit the description, you'll find all of that. But it's uh, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience on audio on Apple Podcast. Leave a five star rating and review, something you enjoy about the show, Twitter handle and email, and you're in the draw to win once that it's to win $250 I'm giving four people $250 so there's a thousand dollars in the prize pool we'll be giving away the winners on Wednesday's show with Jeff Feinberg and Tim Andercast Chris Meaney from FTN Daily and FTN Best. you want to get in over there
1: use code Meaney at sign up for a discount isn't that right that is right yes Pat what's going on buddy yeah use promo code Meaney get yourself a little bit of a discount Week one, always crazy in the NFL, but I got to say, from a DFS standpoint, maybe not the best, but from a betting standpoint, we hit a lot over at ftmbets.com, and hopefully we can continue this. But man, nice to to chat with you, and hopefully soon we'll be together watching football on sundays but man uh, it's just so nice that it's finally here
2: yeah i tweeted out a picture of my setup for this sunday because i was supposed to have all my tvs installed and like they were just jabronis and like forgot to order the tvs so i had to do a makeshift of all of the tvs i just had laying around the office and then a computer and then a whole bunch of weird monitors but then we didn't have the right adapter cords i had like an HDMI and a C plug to go in them. The two fire sticks I bought wouldn't work. I couldn't find my Chromecast. It was a, it was a bit of a setup. So for week two, I should, I shall have the seven TVs on the wall to make sure. Nine games, a lot of games. It was just like, do, do we sacrifice a game? Do we watch? Cause it came down to like, do we put on red zone or do we watch Texans and Jags? I was like, I kind of want to see Trevor. <laughs> I want to see what the Texans look like. And, you know, I probably could have done it. I got to watch the Trevor Lawrence, like, cross-body throw to DJ Jerk. I was like, oh, I get it. I get this Trevor Lawrence thing. Uh, obviously, he's not going to do that every time because he had a, b- a few, like, adrenaline rushes, too, where he just sailed the ball over people's heads right to the other team. So that didn't really work out too well for him. But you saw what you wanted to see, I think, from Trevor Lawrence
1: and some of these, like, incredible throws he can make. Oh yeah. He was, he was fun to watch. And, you know, I think when we chatted last time we talked about how urban Meyer would be one of the most unpredictable coaches in the league and that Carlos Hyde would frustrate James Robinson owners and, and just the way that they played that game. I, you know, I think if you followed them in preseason, you would assume that the way that they played would translate into, you know, week one and two and three, that they were just pass heavy. And if you have Trevor Lawrence and you got, it looked like all, everybody really got a piece of the offense. LaVisca in, in a full point league, certainly going to be appealing, but DJ got those deep balls, Marvin Jones is getting some deep balls. He was looked at inside the red zone. And if, I don't know if he's going to throw the ball 50 plus times, but it certainly looked like uh, it was going to be a team that's going to be playing from behind quite often. Like if they're going to have issues with Houston, they're going to have issues all year uh, defensively. Uh, but I, I, you know, I like what I saw from Trevor Lawrence in, you know, that one of his first, I guess, losses in a long time. He's not used to losing he's got to get used to it with jacksonville only
2: that awful mark ingram could touch the ball 30 times and generate 14 fantasy (laughs) points while scoring a touchdown that is sort of the epitome of mark ingram before people run to their waiver wire to go pick up mark ingram a just look at the efficiency on that and b how many games are the texans actually going to win where they can run the ball 50 times in a game
1: Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I knew we were going to talk about Ingram, and I was chuckling you know, when he found the end zone. It's like, yeah, the show with Mayo should be fun when we bring him up, but you're right. He wasn't efficient, and they just took advantage of a very bad run defense. I mean, last year, they were pretty bad at stopping the run, and it looks like they're going to be bad as well at stopping the run. I mean, volume and opportunities certainly means a lot in fantasy football, and he's going to get them, but I think all four running backs, three for sure, ended up with double-digit snaps, and you know, Philip Lindsay had a red zone carrier that he found the end zone into. And Ingram, I don't believe he had one target at, at all. So, you know, he's not going to be involved through the air. And yeah, I mean, how often is Houston going to be up? I still think they're a very, very bad football team, but I guess you got to give them credit. I think Tyrod Taylor looked okay. From a fantasy standpoint, he might be decent in a super flex. But yeah, I think we need to pump the brakes on grabbing Ingram. He should be rostered, but you're not going to want to start him. Yeah, he
2: probably is the running back you would want to own from the Texans, but here's the sneaky thing. Do you really... I know all three of them scored against the Jags. They don't play the Jags every week. It's going to be tough for them to actually produce fantasy value. And Well, they kind of rode the hot hand with Ingram, um, although he wasn't all that hot on the ground. 29, sorry, 26 carries. For 85 yards, a very quality 3.3 yards per carry. That's very Mark Ingram-esque when it comes down. He did have the lone target in the game. But if they're running a three-headed committee, plus they didn't sprinkle in as much Rex Burkhead as I thought they were going to do, plus Tyred running the ball, like it's, I don't know. Like, I'm not running out. I I can see how people would want to own him. I obviously don't want to own him. But are you ever going
1: to start Mark Ingram? The answer is no. No, you're not. Yeah, 26 attempts, it's second behind Joe Mixon. Um and again, 26 touches is third because Christian McCaffrey caught a ton of balls and he ends up with 30 touches. <laughs> no, you're never going to want to start him. I I ended up grabbing him in a couple deep leagues just this morning or over the weekend because, you know, we've had some injuries now with running backs and it, you know, we had some surprise cuts too. So it is nice to have just some depth. On your, you know, your roster, in especially in deeper formats, but in ten teams, twelve teams, I don't think this guy is, is really ever going to start. But even yeah, in, we'll see how this plays four, out. Even in fourteen
2: teams, you don't want Mark Ingram.
1: You you no but again you just you just want the the depth on your bench like for there could the, be no, a no, moment no, hold, in no no no
2: no no i would rather have eli mitchell i'd rather have latavius moran i'd sure. rather have kenneth gainwell sure. like there are guys that are more widely available who people won't pick up because like, oh my god the mark ingram touched the ball 26 times he almost like fell forward for a meter great yeah th- thanks for thanks mark ingram That's gonna work out well on your fantasy team <laughs>
1: What is this like 8 years ago this is funny uh we're we're spending as much time on Ingram no I agree with you the guys that you mentioned sure I would rather have them as well there could be a situation where maybe the Texans trade DJ or maybe they trade Cooks like I don't know what what their what their mindset is like just try to get as many picks as they can maybe they're just saying hey maybe Ingram's a guy that gets traded because he has one good game and they're saying, Hey, like pick up the phone. You guys need a running back. Like we'll give you Mark Ingram for a fourth. We could really use a fourth because we're the Houston Texans. We've made so many bad trades over the years, but I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's opportunity. The efficiency wasn't there and it's a bad team. I think this is going to be the outlier game. Yeah.
2: So when people are like, man, you got to pick up Mark Ingram, the answer is no. Let someone else pick up Mark Ingram. You can go pick up actual <laughs> guys. Here was the shortlist that I had for available running backs. I haven't put them in the rankings yet. It was Eli Mitchell, Mark Ingram, Latavius Murray, Tony Jones, Kenneth Gainwell, Cordell Patterson, James White, Naheem Hines, who was a target machine. I'll talk about Wentz in a minute. Leonard Fournette were the short list names. Is there anyone else I'm missing? from that, who's like widely available that you could potentially go pick up. I know those guys are somewhat owned in some leagues, but in the majority of leagues, they are not owned.
1: No, they're not. I think Elijah's the big one. And that's going to be a frustrating backfield because, you know, it was, it was surprising to see sermon cut or not cut healthy and then yeah, healthy. And the reports after the game, Shanahan said, you know, Elijah Mitchell just outplayed him. It's like, it would have been nice to hear that kind of stuff from, you know, 49ers reporters, just like sermon. Oh, sermon looks great. Sermon's the guy. He's the backup. It's going to be most certain sermon. And it just, you know, he, he was inactive, and Elijah Mitchell played pretty good. And it was a really good matchup. Uh, he's, he's the guy. And we just don't know with M- most start if he's going to be back next week, but we know that there's a history with him when it comes to injuries, we know this San Fran team wants to run the football and they can run it pretty well. So I think Mitchell is, out of all the guys that you mentioned, like he's the one to me that is definitely available and he's going to be a guy that moving forward, it, it could be, a, it could be confusing with all the backs that they've run with the history of it. But I think he deserves more opportunity, more snaps and more touches moving forward. I think he would be like a decent player flex guy maybe next week against the Eagles
2: yeah maybe next week against the Eagles but this strikes me as a situation too where all of a sudden you play Eli Mitchell and he touches the ball three times because Sermon's active all of a sudden or surprise Raheem Mostert's not as injured as it seems we won't know until Monday until he has his MRI so that's where it's really confusing for me because like I right now like in like the preliminary running back pickup rankings I have Latavius Murray at number one now I don't think he's going to do a ton on Monday night but I just feel like unless you're really buying Tyson Williams or are, are you like, is he so good? Cause he was good in the preseason sermon was good in the preseason too. Couldn't even dress for a game.
1: <laughs> no, couldn't. I had to have Michael hasty in there over him. Yeah. Latavius would be number one for me as well. When that signing happened, I, I tweeted that. I thought he was a high end RB two with upside to be a little bit higher and you know the difference with, I think Latavius and Gus Edwards and people getting excited about Gus Edwards and 700 rushing yards in each of the past three seasons, a good running back is that Latavius can catch. He's got a history of catching balls and Harbaugh said it himself when they signed Latavius is that he adds another element to their backfield, something that they just really didn't have. And, and it's not like JK Dobbins was catching the ball a lot either. You know, Lamar Jackson doesn't have a history of dumping it off to some of these running backs, but maybe it was just the type of running backs. Maybe that just wasn't part of the game plan. So Latavius Murray, I think, yeah, you're right. Probably not going to get a lot of run tomorrow night. It may take a couple of weeks, but this guy has a lot of upside. I think he's coming off a career season in terms of yards per attempt. He's a good running back. He can block. He can catch. He may be the goal line back there. I, I'm, I'm pretty excited about Latavius Murray. He should certainly be rostered, man. He could be a top 20 running back.
0: Yeah. They- yeah everything
1: and everything and more that Gus Edwards, what you're expecting from Gus Edwards, he could be more than that. Well, we, that's a kind of exactly the thing. And I don't know if that's going to end up
2: being the case. It could be Tyson Williams. It could be Devonta Freeman or Le'Veon Bell for all we know. It it won't be those guys, but it could be Tyson Williams. Put it that way. That who is going to end up being the running back one on this team? And what happens in week one is not going to be indicative of that. But if, if Murray can be the guy that plays 65% of the snaps in this offense and gets, you know, 55% of the running back touches, then all of a sudden he's probably the most valuable of all of these guys. I thought Tony Jones looked good for the saints in his limited role. And it does seem like he would take over if anything happened to Kamara, And that's just such a valuable role to have as a running back. And I don't think that that saints game is really going to be the blueprint of how they're going to win a lot of games this season by absolutely beating the shit out of uh quality teams <laughs> like green Bay. I, that just feels like such a, sometimes you look back like seven weeks from now and certain games stick out in your head, like this Saints thing is going to last. I want to see what their advanced line is next week against the Panthers. Where are we at here? Where are the oh st- man, they 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 may be like that. May be like a six and a half. It's not, not it's silly. It's it's, now. it's three. They're favored by three on oh. the road against Carolina. That feels so trappy. Pe- people are going to smash that Saints line. That smells to high high water to me. Like the Panthers yeah. weren't good.
1: On Sunday, but they weren't bad at the same. They left a lot of points on the field. They really did, and you know, it's just, you know, I was there was a lot of positive. I think you could take away if you know you're a Sam Darnold fan or you're just a Carolina fan that it was the first game with a new offense. You know, he did make some mistakes. I think he what you're alluding to is what he fumbled the ball right around the five near the goal line, and and that was a big mistake where they could have put up some more points, but. I liked what I saw from him and just the weapons and he doesn't have to do a whole lot to have a career year. He set up in a, a pretty nice situation. Yeah. I like, I like Tony Jones. He, he runs hard. And that this was part of the reason we do have to say Latavius Murray lost his job. Like they asked him to restructure his contract. And he said, no, but they asked him to restructure his contract because Tony Jones was looking better than him. And Latavius Murray was looking sluggish. And we've always liked Latavius Murray as a solid handcuff in case anything happened to Alvin Kamara. So I agree with you that, even in just a small role where he had 11 carries 50 yards and it was probably just a, a weird game. But I think there are some positives that you can take away that if anything were to happen to Alvin Kamara, that, you know, Tony could be a guy to, to get double digit carries and maybe catch a couple balls out of the backfield. Uh, Jameis man, super efficient in that game. That had to pump you up five touchdowns from Jameis Winston. Like I feel like you had him ranked higher than anybody in the industry. I
2: did, but it, someone actually brought this to my attention. I forgot the guy's Twitter name, but we had a thing like two years ago when he was playing for Tampa that they always used to put his over-under rushing total at like 11 and a half or 12 and a half. And he'd rush for like 30 yards per week. And someone sent me a tweet. It's like, hey, don't forget about Jameis's rushing prop. And I was like, what is it? It's like eight and a half. I was like, oh, goo. Let, let's, let, let's like go all in on that. So I did. And I think that he was over it one minute into the game.
0: <laughs>
1: Man, he was very impressive. I think he made just like a couple mistakes where, you know, you're up big and, you know, a couple throws where he just was throwing into double coverage, but that's kind of what he's, what we're used to seeing. But I thought he looked really good. I mean, no interceptions is, is very key. He, like you said, they kicked the shit out of a pretty solid green Bay Packers team. A lot of people have high expectations for, and it wasn't even close. He made some really good throws and who was he really throwing to, right? Like Marcus Calloway was taken away from Jared Alexander. Juwan Johnson is somebody that I like, but he had, you know, two touchdowns, I think only three targets, a, a deep ball to Harris. Michael Thomas wasn't on the team. Alvin Kim- wasn't there. And Alvin Kamara didn't, you know, he wasn't really a huge factor in the passing game. And Traquan Smith was, is on IR. So very impressive first start for Jameis Winston. Maybe just learning from Drew Brees and company and Sean Payton for a year is really going to help this guy, or potentially it is the, the laser eye surgery that's going to help him <laughs> after all. I don't know.
2: It's ridiculous that our sizes change brand to brand when our bodies stay the same. You're a measurement, not a size. You don't have to change. Shopping for clothes does. And that's why you gotta check out Public Rec. They make elevated athleisure wear in multi-dimensional sizes because they believe that comfort starts with a better fit. I got my pair, which was the all-day, everyday pant, available in over 40 different sizing combinations, and can fit men anywhere from 5'8 to nearly 7 feet tall. I am more on the 5'8 side than the 7 feet tall. I got my pair. I put them on. I'm actually, like, dropping some LBs lately. Still fit perfectly, and that's all I've ever wanted. I don't need to have eight separate sizes of pants, because these pants from Public Rec fit perfectly no matter what a better fit is the secret to making these comfortable pants look good which you know i pull off famously now your favorite lounge pants can also be your go-tos for work happy hour or the gym i'm the guy who's now wearing those out into the world and you know what people say these pants look really good mayo and i'm like yeah they do but even if they weren't on me they'd probably look good on you at public rec colors they come in nine different colors one for each day of the week and more Public Rec also makes elevated shorts, t-shirts, polos, jackets, even golf gear, which I'm going to get some of very soon. You know, when golf season, where I'm at, wraps itself back around. They just launched their women's line, so now anyone listening can enjoy Public Rec's better-fitting comfort. Public Rec rarely discounts, but right now, they have an exclusive offer just for Pat Mayo Experience listeners. Go to publicrec.com and use promo code Mayo to receive 10% off. That's publicrec.com and use our promo code MAYO for 10% off. Uh, let's do the injuries. So, here are the major injuries that I found from Sunday and Thursday. Jerry Judy is not going to be out for the season, but he does have a high ankle sprain, so expect him to miss some time. I think I like, well, obviously, it's a boost for Cortland Sutton and Noah Fan and Big Al. He ended up catching a touchdown as well. But Tim, I think Tim Patrick is the one who probably benefits the most. Cause he'll play the outside where KJ Hamler will play the inside. He dropped a, an easy touch, oh like my goodness. 50 yard touch it was embarrassing he fell you could just see it on his face he was just like oh god I don't even want to look up at the replay of this it was so bad so <laughs> Judy he's gonna be out a while Beckham didn't play and then we got the Schwartz and I it was like oh man Donovan Peoples Jones he's gonna be so great and Schwartz is everywhere for the Browns didn't expect to see that but Beckham should play next week JJ oh your guy JJ or Sega Whiteside had a concussion not that anyone noticed but That happened to him. (laughs) Michael Gallup is going to miss three to five weeks for the Cowboys. Who do you think steps in? Do you think it's going to be Cedric Wilson or the
1: Rook? I think it's going to be Cedric Wilson. Yeah, it it just – I think for for Hako, yeah, he was drafted, I think, in the fourth or fifth round as probably a replacement for next season for Gallup. And I thought originally when the Gallup injury happened that – and I, I, I just tweeted that maybe he would fall into a role quicker and everybody like Cowboys fans were just probably on edge from that game and blowing that game. And then Zeke, you know, shitting the bed and not looking good. And then the injury to Gallup, it's like, no, no, like pump it. It's, it's not going to be him. And it's like, I agree, but like, he is probably going to get a little bit more playing time, but it, but from what I saw in that game, like Wilson is the pickup and Dalton Schultz potentially too in deeper formats for those playing, you know, I don't know, double flex for tight ends. Like I know yeah. it was just one game. Yeah, but hold, hold on, hold on. Is,
2: uh, is he actually a pickup though? Like do you really want to pick up Cedric Wilson?
1: I think in a 14-team league, I think if we're talking about tight ends and if I was choosing between him and Austin Hooper, for example, I would go oh, for, with for Schultz, Schultz. For Schultz, yeah, Schultz, I can see. But like Cedric Wilson, like if you're like picking up Cedric oh. Wilson
2: and thinking about playing him, like your team is fucking garbage. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Yeah, it is. It, it is garbage. Absolutely. But if any indication is from week one that the Cowboys are just going to throw the football a ton, I think it was partly game plan against a very good Bucks rush defense. Number one in each of the last two seasons. I think they just had a game plan where they were going to throw the ball and try to exploit some, you know, some holes in the Bucks secondary. And it worked. I mean, they executed a near perfect game plan, but no, you're, you're not going to, but if you had Gallup, if, I guess, suppose if you had Gallup or you had, I don't, I don't know what you're right. I'm trying to think why you would pick him up and start him. You you wouldn't, but out of all the wide receivers we're going to talk about today, I mean, he's probably near the top. Like Zach Pascal's a guy I'd rather have over him, but he's probably like top five because the offense is going to cook. Like they're going to score some points. Yeah, that's true.
2: So Gallup's going to be out three to five weeks. at quarterback, Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt. He has old man hip. So he's going to miss multiple weeks. Oh, he might be done, Pat. I, they said. I think they said they're going to do the scan. I, they don't think it's a broken hip. So Tyler Heineke is going to start in his place right now, who wasn't, like, bad, although the Chargers crushed Washington today. The score does not reflect that, but they killed them.
1: They did, yeah, and it was a great first win for the Chargers on the road. Typically lose those games, those tight ones. They find a way to lose them, and man, Keenan Allen was a beast. And that's the way you attack Washington. Keep an eye on that moving forward if you're playing DFS. Their corners are really nice, even though Mike Williams had a solid game but the way to attack Washington is in the slot and Keenan Allen just absolutely ate. And I thought Roundtree was a guy who, not a great pickup, but he's definitely ahead of Justin Jackson to Joshua Kelly, if that matters, if anything happened to Austin
2: Eckler. Yeah, like th- something like that actually has like more, more relevance to me than someone like Mark Ingram or Leonard Fournette at this point. Sure. Eh, maybe not even Fournette. Fournette might like be the guy for the Bucs. Who knows going forward? Who knows what they're going to do? They, they barely ran the ball to begin with, and they benched Ronald Jones. But So Raheem Mostert has the knee problem. He has his MRI on Monday, so we'll have more information. Then Rashad Penny left the game in the Seahawks' backfield with a strained calf. No word on how long he's going to be out. Then on the offensive line, Lyle Collins suspended five games for Dallas. Makai Becton hurt his knee. It looks like he's going to be out a while. Jedrick Willis was carted off for the Browns. That's not great. And the Monday night game, all of a sudden, Josh Jacobs has an illness. Quote illness uh, and he's been downgraded to questionable so i keep an eye on that if you're relying on josh jacobs like make a backup plan potentially i'm trying to even trying to think like it would have to be like jalen L-
1: richard no he's no no he's on ir yeah he's on ir well like if you needed a, if you're gonna it take be, a zero would like be, you got jacobs it would, be, would it be
2: it would be latavius wouldn't it he's in that game he's gonna play
1: yeah if he's available i would just i just thought maybe he would be I, they signed on. i i don't i don't but know yeah.
2: if royce freeman got activated to the 53 man but they picked him up i believe i believe that there was them who ended up with royce freeman from uh when he got cut by denver i th- it was them or carolina yeah, i think he's i
1: think he's on carolina Is yeah he's carolina? on carolina yeah so if you let's just you know try to figure this out because Regis was running a little bit with Las Vegas and he was looking pretty good like you don't want to take oh. a zero. Oh yeah it was Peyton Barber I, it's I think Peyton Barber it's Peyton that. Barber who
2: I'm thinking of so yeah Peyton Barber's the play
1: like if Jacobs
2: can't go because you can't pick up Drake you probably missed out on Latavius there's no Baltimore guys to pick yeah. up unless you have him in a flex and then geez even then did Brian Edwards if he's like remember when he was hot for like three days in the preseason everyone's like oh my god Brian Edwards breakout
1: then like, like no one drafted him <laughs> yeah. Uh, Edwards, is, uh, you know what? I'd rather have uh, Hunter Renfro. I think I'd, I I, just feel like he would get more targets than Brian Edwards. I think Edwards has a higher ceiling of uh, rugs has the highest of the three, but his ownership is 41% in Yahoo. Edwards is 16% and Hunter Renfro is 2% has a role inside the slot, but everything does run through Darren Waller. But yeah, I mean, you don't want to take the zero. So you have to do, I mean, whatever you can, I guess that's a good Lesson moving forward, I suppose, if you have a running back on a Monday night and maybe just put him in the flex just in case, like, who knows, with COVID and, and certain things that may pop up. This isn't COVID, but it is an illness. Do we know it's not COVID? Like, they didn't say what it was. They just said, quote, well, w- illness. Illness. I guess, but I, I I thought that if it was COVID, you'd be, you'd be placed on the COVID list. I'm still learning all the new rules in the NFL. I think I, 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 think if if you're, I think if you you're d- I test, think if you have a test, you're just on the COVID list. Yeah, but I think if you're
2: double vaxxed and like it could potentially be a false negative, and then like you test negative the next day, I think like you get like a daily... I don't know, but I feel like if you're double vaxxed, you get far more <laughs> leeway with this stuff if it's a false negative, and then you test negative the next day. I think maybe you can
1: what are we doing here? we'll learn as we go man. <laughs> yeah we
2: yeah we'll learn as we go I feel like they're gonna like change the rules at some point too because it just seems like something that would happen
1: yeah because it's there's so many question marks when it comes to it I mean I don't think a lot of people even still really know I mean I'm reading right now from Vic Toffer of The Athletic it says that he doesn't feel like it is COVID because he would be placed on the COVID list so I don't know he seems to be in tune with the team more than I am
2: so those were the injuries. Oh, uh, I won on DraftKings today. I, I developed a new strategy, and I so I didn't play. I played like 300 bucks, and I won $1,200. So quadrupled my money. Nice. It's much better than I normally do on DraftKings where I just lose all of my money. So I, I did this out with Levitan on Thursday show where we talked about the, the, the guy on the shitter lineup. That's going to be our new bit where, hey, I'm building my lineups. It's, I'm just, you know, I took a fifteen minute break at work. I had to go take a giant shit and I'm gonna make a DraftKings lineup. Who who does the shitter guy put in his lineup? Like who are the most <laughs> obvious people you could put into a lineup? So that's the lineup that we make. Now normally People wouldn't know this, but I do so much content and research. By the time Sunday comes around, I usually forget to, like, make lineups. Uh, So I usually do put them in while I'm, like, taking a shit in the morning. So this week, I I, I incorporated some of Joe Holka's stuff. Friend of the show but can't be on the show anymore because of his new sponsorship, Joe Holka. Shout out to Joe. Get the... Yeah, I'm very excited he has a brand new sponsor. I love Joe, but you know, we'll talk in the offseason. We'll continue to talk privately. But I did have him on for the intro to DraftKings show. And the one thing that really resonated with me with him was about stop being an idiot and playing like... 200 bucks in the millionaire, like five dollars. Like, what am I doing? Like, I'm not even if I win, I'm not going to win in this. Like, I'm just gonna lose money over time. He was just like, pick some GPPs with small field entries and just attack those. Like, my tournament, the Pat Mayo experience, uh, DraftKings Listeners League with the 5,000 people in it, that was a good one. I cashed two of my lineups in that, I doubled my money, that felt good. With the other two, I played 200 single entries. One of them had 55 people in it, one of them had 233 people in it. I came. 11th in one and third in the other like most of the day I was winning both of those but then Mahomes Hill and Kelsey got real hot and I got passed by some guy who was completely out of the money at one point he's the guy who ended up winning both of them that it's fine when I went and scanned like the very top of DraftKings leaderboards in the contest that I was close in but ended up losing uh, it was the Mahomes triple stack that ended up killing everyone
1: yeah as it usually does (laughs) I mean if you're playing multiple lineups you want to always have the Mahomes triple stack, but I mean, Joe's a smart guy. I had, you know, I was fortunate to work with him for a couple of years for the fantasy footballers and, and doing a show with him every single week, I learned a lot about his process and he's spot on. I mean, I've, I take that approach as well. I don't really play in those in those larger fields. I spend a little bit more, and for smaller fields with still strong payouts, and I find I have more success because you don't have to hit on everybody. I cashed as well, and you know, having Raheem Mostard play, you know, a, a couple snaps and and leave the game, and Calvin Ridley in there as well, but I was able to hit, you know, with you know Jalen Hurts and Devonta Smith and in on Corey Davis. So if you hit, you know, five of just five guys, with the Flames. I mean, you're going to be in the running to to cash. And that's just usually the way it is. And that, that particular lineup, if you have it in the millionaire maker, it's, it's nowhere close to, to making any money. So I've learned that from, from Javi as well. He typically goes in those $88 ones or the hundred dollar ones where it's a three max entry. I, I find i have more success i like playing cash but nobody likes to do that it's it's not fun but I, I find that if i'm just going up against one person or a smaller field i get better opportunity win some money i don't mind building a bankroll yeah. i would like to win the, the big bucks but i don't mind building the bankroll yeah well that's the whole thing i'm just sick of losing all the time so i'm just like let me try out this new
2: strategy let me roll it out a little bit like the the, the lineup in question i i just I, I talked about all the stacks that i liked on the DraftKings show uh ridley kind of Ridley and Pitts really oh, punked man. me because they were the ones were they the ones no they weren't the ones in this lineup like sticking to my convictions and playing Jamar Chase and single entry really worked out for me because I was like no one is going to play Jamar Chase and if it just turns out that this was all noise it's going to be a really good situation and it was but who was it who really screwed me Kamara's bad second half really sunk me Uh, Chris Carson, not punching it in from the one yard line twice really Mm. sunk me like those two things flip. And then I win the tournament. I'm much happier, but that's the whole thing within a 55 man tournament or a 235 man tournament. It just, you can make mistakes. Like that same entry came 265th out of 5,000 in my contest. It came 72,000th in the $5 Millionaire Maker. It, it won 10 bucks. But by shrinking the field and upping my pay a little bit, you know, I get paid 7X on my money instead. So I think that's at least what I'm going to do. So instead of doing... so. In, Tournament selection was big for me this week, but also was, I just used Run the Sims. I went to runthesims.com slash mayo, if you want a discount to continue to use it. They have single game simulations. Like as soon as Moss Dart and Zach Moss got ruled out, I just went into the simulator, just X'd them out and re-ran it right away. I was like, boom, okay. Now I have new optimals. Now I still have my like previously saved stats where I love Jalen Hurts this week. I love Jamar Chase. I love Devonta Smith. So I like manually went in and customized them up and just reran my lives like what what of these lineups is going to be the best for me when I put in my stacks and everything like that and it just gives you a whole bunch of different options and I was like oh that's actually the one that I like I could have spit out 150 but I, I only wanted to play five lineups so I had to kind of pick and choose of all of like the best ones that it put out for me so I, I found that process for me really worked out well
1: yeah, I mean it's uh, it's a great process to to attack. I like to have a smaller pool, and it, you know if it can spit out some numbers for you, and the same sort of thing over at you know Ftn with the with the optimizer there as well. I mean, spit out some of the projections and help you you know with your lineups. And yeah, there was some surprising. I, you know, Zach Moss. It's not like I, I'm sure you know you follow the Bills closely. It's not like you were starting Zach Moss or are thinking about starting Zach Moss. But that was a surprise. Him and Sermon being, you know, inactive was certainly surprising. And and Odell Beckham to an extent as well. There were some reports that Cleveland, like he just doesn't taking any contact. So I, I guess it wasn't overly shocking that he wasn't in there. But again, you would think with some of these reports that you would, you know, you would hear that it was a really good possibility that he wouldn't play. Everyone was talking about that. He would still play despite not taking any contact and coming off his significant knee injury. But you mentioned the rookies, man. Jamar Chase, the first, the top three rookies in the draft, Jamar Chase... Uh, Jalen Waddle and then Devonta Smith all of them with their former quarterbacks from college all were big parts of the offense I mean Devonta Smith had four catches in a row on one drive from Jalen Hurts. that looks like it's going to be an amazing connection clearly Joe Burrow wanted his guy and Chase led the team in targets and snaps and he had the deep ball there and you know didn't look like and that's just a confidence thing right and and people were overblowing the drops and the report that came out. Like they just twisted his words around. He never said anything about the white lines and what on the football. Like he never said any of that stuff. He said the football is a little bit different, but it was a good first game for him. And I thought a great first game for Jalen Waddle too. the red zone target that he found the end zone. He missed a couple. There was one bad drop that he had, but for some of these rookies with their former quarterbacks, it's like, Just, you couldn't ask for better starts.
2: Well, the biggest thing with Jamar Chase that I noticed from that game was on third down, Joe Burrow was like, you're my guy on third down. You're who I'm throwing to. And that was T. Higgins' role a year ago. He was sort of the third down maven on that team, which you would really think it would be Tyler Boyd because that would make the most sense. But first look every single time, if Chase had a step on anyone, the ball was just in his direction. The play that they called in overtime on fourth and one was... There was a couple really nice calls this week. Uh, I mean, that call was just where they ran the play action and just a little floater over the top to Uzma, but the saints continuously just pressing on fourth down was genius. I loved it.
1: Yeah. Aggressive, right? Absolutely. And credit to burrow on that play in overtime. I mean, the, the call came in, but he audible at the line and, and he made that throw. And there was a moment in the game where he, I think he landed awkwardly and he limped off of the sidelines and then they were less aggressive you know, with some of his throws, it was just quick throws and and mostly just handing it off to Joe Mixon, who, you know, leads everybody in terms of touches and carries this week. And I mean, this offense, it's certainly trending in the right direction over the past couple of years, if they can ha- get a healthy Joe Mixon for the entire season and Zach Taylor, who comes from Sean McVay, I think, you know, he knows what he wants to do. And it's, <laughs> I think he's improving every single week as just a play caller in the league. So the, the Bengals are certainly – it was a good first game for them to to blow it and then still find a way to win the game. But, yeah, the Saints, that was one of the big surprises for me this week, just the way that they handled Green Bay and and how brutal Aaron Rodgers looked in the, and all the nonsense in the off season and how petty he was and, like, crying about this and complaining about that. And, man, he didn't look like he gave a shit in that game. Like, there was a couple throws where it was just like, ah, whatever, I'm just throwing it up and – so be it it's picked off but man what does he have like a couple picks what do you have four last year not a good start for Rogers.
2: no I, I wonder I wonder if they're going to be wildly undervalued going into next week the Packers still are such a public brand that it's tough for me to think that they, they won't be they, maybe they're not on the board where are they here there, all right, they're playing the Monday night. night game they're 10 and a half point favorites against the Lions healthy snacks have a bad reputation and let's be honest most don't taste very good They don't fill you up, and they certainly don't satisfy your cravings. This episode is sponsored by Monk Pack, who makes snacks that taste like our favorite sugary treats, but with one gram of sugar or less. They're great for anyone following a keto lifestyle and the perfect snack for anyone who's just trying to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without sacrificing taste. That would be me. That's what I'm doing. I'm not on keto, but these bars are Delicious! The Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars, whether they come in sea salt, dark chocolate, caramel sea salt, peanut butter, dark chocolate. I went through them really quickly. Put it that way. I needed to get a second order ASAP. And you can do that and try it for yourself and you'll see. And we have a special deal for the listeners. Get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our promo code mayo at checkout and monkpack is so confident in their product it's backed with a 100 satisfaction guarantee so if you don't like it for whatever reason they'll exchange the product or refund your money whichever you prefer to get started go to monkpack.com that's m-u-n-k-p-a-c-k.com and select any product then enter the code mayo that's M-A-Y-O. At checkout to save your twenty percent off your purchase. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on, and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. I thought the Lions were—I yeah, I was convinced that the Lions were going to, after the Debo fumble, after they had brought it back and gotten the two and got it with an eight. I just assumed they were going to score a touchdown, then missed the two, and that's how the game was going to end. But. That didn't happen. They ended up just not doing anything. Yeah.
1: There's a couple takeaways from, from that game, I suppose. Um, early on, it did look like Tyrell Williams was going to be the number one. I think he took a, a headshot and then he missed a lot of time. Um, but man, both running backs getting all those targets. I think we all knew that TJ Hawkinson was in line for a lot of volume. I think he led all t- tight ends in targets and Kyle Pitts was actually number two, but, uh, We could talk about that, Matt Ryan. I mean, Matt, the line of scrimmage. I mean, Ryan was just absolutely owned in that game. He didn't have a whole lot of time to to hook up with Ridley and Pitts. But the both running backs and Jamal Williams and uh, Swift, like the targets that they got in this game, 11 for Swift, eight catches. And Jamal Williams had eight targets or nine targets, eight catches, too. It seems like the offense probably rolls through those three, but out of all the wide receivers, and if you look at it, like Raymond catches three and Cephas finds the end zone, and he found the end zone, I think, on the two-point convo as well, that Williams was did seem like the guy that was running all the routes. Nobody ran more routes than him in the first half, but that helmet-to-helmet took him out of the game. But this is going to be a team that's – they're just going to have to throw the football pat a lot, and both of these running backs, like Swift is already – RB2. We talk about him all the time, but I think Williams, it may be a situation where where Williams could be started too as a flex. Like I think of Ingram and Kamara years ago, like that upside is not going to be similar, but those both of those backs you could start at that time where in a half point setting, especially in a full point, both these running backs may get five or six targets on average every week if they're just trailing all the time
2: so you're not really digging uh, six targets for Trinity Benson on the lions my my takeaway no no
1: my my takeaway
2: from that was I don't think you want to own any of these receivers just because it's very clear that the goof sure. is just gonna pass to Hawkinson and the running backs like that's it like those those are such safe throws for him and he didn't like he threw fantasy wise he was fine in this game which is shocking but yeah i I don't know like besides Hawkinson the, the running, goof yeah the 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 goof, you don't want to be you don't want to be attaching your fate where like if it's someone like five yards in front of them, easy completions once once we like whether it is Cephas or Tyrell or Ammon Ross St. Brown, who probably should have had a touchdown earlier, and the goof just made a terrible throw. He was wide open. Uh, should have been down the sidelines, and just he threw it over his back, left shoulder, out of bounds. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, it was a horrible throw. There were some pretty, like, Lawrence had some really bad throws. Yeah. Would you say that Mac Jones looked the best of all the rookie QBs? Because I think he did.
1: Yeah, I think he did, too. And, you know, they would have won that game if Harris didn't put the ball on the ground, unfortunately, because he had such a strong game as well. Yeah, I thought Mac Jones had a lot of poise in the pocket. He's, you know, an accurate quarterback. There's a couple of times where the pressure came after him, and he didn't really panic. He threw the ball away. You know, there was one play where it looked like he was going to throw it behind him. I think to Jonu Smith, and then he just like, oh, wait, maybe I shouldn't do that. And he just chucked it down at his feet, so yeah. I mean, the IQ is off the charts with him. I thought it was a really good first game. against a tough Miami defense and you know, rookie quarterbacks typically don't win. I think Sam Darnold's the only one in the last five years to win um, their first game in week one. And he started with a pick six. So yeah, I think out of all the quarterbacks, he looked good. Lawrence, did a lot of good things, but he, man, the offensive line is, is so bad in Jacksonville and that throw where yeah, he threw it across his body. That's just a a one oh one like you don't do that as as a quarterback and and certainly he'll learn that. But Jones is not gonna out of all the guys that started, he's he's not a guy that I think we'll ever talk about from a fantasy standpoint. He like he's the least appeal to me out of the three. Well, just just look. I meant for like real life, looking at
2: it. Like, yeah, the, I agree. The, real the, life. The poise, yeah. the poise that Mac Jones showed, I, I was just really impressed with. I was just very quick decisions, very smart decisions. Uh, his ability to check at the line, I thought, was really good. Getting the ball out quickly, stepping up in the pocket, and creating just a little bit more time to throw to. It felt, it's funny because Jac- Jacoby Myers only ended up with six catches, but it felt like he had thirty five catches. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he and his prop was three and a half and Jonu's was two and a half. Those guys cash pretty easily. And and that's the offense is gonna go through both of them. I know Aguilar had the big game, but I don't think that he I think it was just really matchup dependent against Miami. I don't think that he's gonna be the one. I, I do believe that it's probably Jacoby Myers and then or Meyer and then and then who. I do think Jonu is gonna be a big player. And James White, like James White is is always gonna be undervalued, certainly in PPR leagues. Like he was on the field um, the second most, and I don't think that Harris is going to be in the doghouse. But J.J. Taylor was uh, inactive, and Stevenson had two touches and he fumbled one of the two. So I think he could feel pretty good about James White as well inside this offense.
2: Yeah, it depends on how the game flow is going to go. Damian Harris, I think he's going to be fine. Like he had twenty, yeah, he, too. he had twenty three carries. I mean, yeah, he ended up with two catches as well, three targets. That's yep good for him. Like it's like like Nick Chubb has multiple catches, like four of his past five games now it's like okay you know two a game's not bad for nick chubb like we get derrick henry up to that level maybe even like two and a half over the course of time now we're talking even in half point ppr just those free points like the jalen hurts free rush free touchdown and a half he provides on the ground just through yardage every single week what's he averaging now in his career
1: like 63 yards a game uh, he 66.8, I believe. Yeah, he had 272 in four games last year, four starts, only finished three of them, was pulled in that Week 17 game where the Eagles decided to give Washington the division, but he's had at least 60 rushing yards in four of those five games. He had 100 against the Saints in his first start. Man, he looked really good, and he, it was impressive the way that that offensive line played in Philadelphia, and I think that's the big part of why they played so good today overall, like the, the offense. And last year, You know, 12 games in, 12 different offensive line combinations. The offense wasn't catered to Hurts. I thought he showed a lot of poise as well. We talk about Mac Jones and the poise that he had. I mean, Jalen Hurts had a lot of poise and willing to stay in the pocket and elusive to avoid a couple sacks. And I'm sure Carson Wentz would have, you know, been on his ass if he was, uh, you know, in that game yesterday or today. I thought that the, the offense was pretty good. Uh, and Jalen hurts from a fantasy standpoint, if he's going to, I don't think he's going to run for 60, but you're right. It's almost like starting with a touchdown and a half with, with what he can do. And again, that offensive line if it stays healthy. Like Jason Kelsey is elite as an elite center and they were running some, some play action. They were running a lot of RPO, a lot of screens and both. You mentioned Kenneth Gainwell, he had a good game and Miles Sanders had a good game, but they opened up a lot of lanes for everybody, including Jalen hurts. What do you, San
2: Francisco is at Philadelphia next week. What do you think the line in that game is?
1: Uh, I'd say three, six and a half Niners, five and a half, four and a half, three all over the place. Three Niners, just three. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, the Niners were up, what, 24 points with a couple minutes left to go. They almost blew that game. I think that they're the better team. Uh, but the Eagles showed me a lot today. Their defense played really well, and they just dominated the line of scrimmage. And that's what we've known from Philadelphia for years. Like their secondary has never been good. Darius Slay played okay. Uh, but the line of scrimmage, the way that they can, you know, control the line of scrimmage on offense and their front is, I mean, they really dominate. And now, don't get me wrong. Atlanta's offensive line is their weakness. There's no question. Uh, but they got after Matt Ryan today pretty easily. I didn't get to see too much of the Lions, to be honest with you. I had that game like kind of just in the background because I thought it was going to be a complete blowout. But I, I would take San Fran in that game at three. Okay, here's some of these lines for week two are just like I'm very confused
2: by them. New England is at the Jets. What do you think the spread in that game is? Three,
1: three and a half, three and a, four and a half. No, three yeah. and a half. It, like, is, it does it does seem weird, but. Yeah, that is a little weird, I guess, because the Jets look pretty bad today. For yeah, most the, of the, game.
2: the Jets were god awful and they lose in and they couldn't they couldn't protect Zoomer Zach, uh, who was you know he didn't <laughs> look good. He didn't look horrible, but he looked good when he was throwing to Corey Davis a few times. That was it. And like after that, it was just I actually when we talk about the receiver pickups, I, I do want to run a theory by you that has to do with my main man Braxton Berrios, who had like seven targets and five catches, very easy completions. For him, but three and a half just seems so like just thinking about both teams. I know New England just lost to Miami, but the biggest thing from that Miami game, like Tua was running around like a madman the entire time. Like, they were in his face all day. He only got sacked twice. Like when I went back and looked at the numbers after watching the game, it's like, it felt like he got sacked a lot more than that. Carolina dropped Zach Wilson, like almost on every play. they have no offensive line to speak of. They just lost their best offensive lineman. The Patriots might pile up like eight sacks in this game.
1: Yeah, they may like yeah, that, thinking about that again. I know new England's on the road, but that is, that is a weird line. Uh, I, I watched a lot of that, that jets game and, that was supposed to be the strength of, of this team heading in is, is the offensive line. Um, what a complete mess too to the backfield. I think, you know, um, Michael Carter getting some touches is bad news for, for Ty Johnson. Now Tevin Coleman was the lead, but he didn't do anything with those carries. So if like Michael Carter was hanging around your waiver wire, I know a lot of people are sour on him over the past couple of weeks, but I think it's only a matter of time before he takes over, but Zach Wilson, I mean, he's a small quarterback. They need to protect him. And uh, it's going to be, I mean, if, that offensive line continues to miss pieces. It's going to be a long season for Zach Wilson. I do like Corey Davis. Me too. I expect a little bit more from him hey, he <laughs> from a target to, standpoint. Yes, he, I, to he, was he was fine. Yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was fine. I just met from like a volume target standpoint, like heading into the fourth. I think he only had three targets, but yeah, no, he was fine. I mean, I think he's, I think he's a high end wide receiver three, maybe a two this year, but. It's, He's definitely the one in that offense. Here's another one. The Cardinals are four and a half point favorites at
2: home against Minnesota next week. Minnesota, or Kirk Cousins at least, got dropped five or six times by the Bengals in that game. Who, you know, not known for their pass rush. Put it that way. So that's as many sacks as Chandler Jones had by himself, I think, against Tennessee. So is it just that Minnesota can't block for Kirk Cousins? Because
1: that's going to be a fucking disaster for them. It is going to be a disaster. Man, Arizona was so impressive today, and a lot has been made about their corners. Certainly, I've talked about it quite a bit on Mean Streets and how it was going to be such a nice matchup for Ryan Tannehill and Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. But man, uh, just Jones, like you said, five sacks. He had three in the first quarter. Uh, they dominated the line of scrimmage. They got after him quite a bit. And Tennessee's just been known over the past couple of years to really protect Ryan Tannehill and open up some lanes for Derek Henry and run the play action. But man, they were all over Tennessee today. And I saw, yeah, Kirk cousins take a a lot of, you know, hits. So this Arizona team is, I mean, Kyler is absolutely legit. Like that guy is so fun to watch that. You just know that they're probably going to put up 30 points uh, week in and week out. And if they can generate some pressure, like they did, it we had a really fun team to watch and Arizona could be a sneaky, sneaky little defense. Minnesota was underwhelming. They were. They were underwhelming in that game against the Bengals. They, I know they came back. They got kind of screwed with great. that.
2: They got kind of screwed with the – I mean, they ended up scoring after the Jefferson. Jefferson scored that touchdown.
1: It was like the Herbert
2: fumble. Herbert yes. didn't fumble the ball. That was an incomplete pass. And then in overtime, Delvin Cook fumbled, but he was down.
1: Uh, yeah, it did look like he was down. Yeah, kind of like on his butt. It was it was hard, um, to, to I guess, to overturn. Was there anything that you took away in that game from, like, KJ Osborne? Is this somebody maybe that ah. we can consider, or is this just a, a straight one-off? Oh, no, he he's on, the,
2: he's on, he's on the list. I will, uh, we'll get to him okay. in a second. I just, I just wanted to okay. react to some of these teams that, like, either look really good or re- sure. look really bad and see. So I feel like Week 2 is a good week to capitalize on some spreads. Obviously, I'll talk about this more on the Spread Pick Show. But the Titans are now mm-hmm. six-point dogs at Seattle. Is this, like... Are you willing to give some of these teams a mulligan? Like, I think we'll all give Green Bay a mulligan going into next week if they reel off three in a row. It's like, oh, yeah, what a shitty week they had week one from whatever. Tennessee, like, are you worried? Are you worried about Tennessee or Atlanta? Because I'm far more worried about Atlanta than I am about Tennessee.
1: Oh yeah. Atlanta's trash. Like Atlanta's brutal. Uh, They have a, what a six and a half win total. Jake and I just laughed our asses off at that uh, last Monday. Like they're just not a good team. Like they have Calvin Ridley who's really good and they drafted Kyle Pitts. Like they're just not a good football team. I just talked about the line of scrimmage being completely dominated. Their secondary is brutal. Matt Ryan is older. He's got no legs. And I mean, Cordero Patterson was stealing carries from Mike Davis in, in the game and Wayne Goldman was inactive. They're just not a good football team. Yeah, I would be worried about Atlanta. I wouldn't be worried about Calvin Ridley or Kyle Pitts, but they're just they're not a good football team. Tennessee, I think we can I think we can give them a pass. I think we have to give a lot of credit to Arizona, but uh, you know, maybe just Arthur Smith leaving there. I think, you know, we just need to look into that. Arthur Smith was calling the shots over the last 2 years. Tennessee was a top 10 offense and they ran the football really well. I think it's just one game and also Ryan Tannehill really didn't get in there in the preseason. AJ Brown was dealing with a knee injury. He didn't get in there. Julio Jones didn't get in there as well. And I think that may be the biggest takeaway for me out of a lot of these teams is we saw in the preseason that these didn't want to play certain guys. And week one is always the toughest. You hear that from players in the league, especially, you know, back in the day when they had four preseason games and they were playing a majority of the first couple just wasn't really the case for teams this year having three definitely not playing that third and really just getting in there in the first quarters of week one and week two so it could just be a little bit of rust new play caller we'll see how things play play out but i would buy low on everybody in that tennessee offense if i could
2: yeah i just think as a team that they'll be better i don't know if we'll cover the six against the seahawks but i could see myself leading towards that direction yeah i think i'll probably end up taking the plus six and that that feels like a line that's going to grow here's the biggest line that didn't make any sense to me So the Cowboys lose in week one as they finish off as 10 and a half point dogs on Thursday night. Everyone bet the bucks and then Dallas lost by two. So it killed all the teasers, killed everything. Vegas won a ton of money because the Cowboys covered, but they covered in the opening night game. And yeah, they'll have the extended rest, but this is why I got back to the chargers played a lot better than what the score looked like. The chargers are only a two and a half point favorite at home against Dallas. I feel
1: like they, they they should be a four point favorite at least. They should be. Yeah. I, I, the Cowboys, it's just, again, it's America, it's America's team. I don't know if, does that have anything to do with it? Just Dak be looking like people are calling him MVP. Like sure. He's probably a lock to win comeback player of the year. If he plays all 17 games this season, but the Dallas team still looked like the Dallas team of last year, in my opinion, like their offense looked really good and they're going to score a lot of points this season. But I thought Tampa Bay was, they were really sloppy. They gifted them a couple turnovers, one inside the the red zone, and they still found a way to come back and win that game. There's a lot of holes defensively on this Cowboys team. I like the way that the Chargers played against, I think, a very good Washington team. I know Fitzpatrick left and Curtis Samuel wasn't active, but I have a lot of respect for Washington. They have a really, really good defense And they went – Herbert, West Coast team going to the East Coast, starting early, they went in there and and won that football game and looked, like you said earlier, looked really good winning it. I think that they're a more complete team than Dallas. I would lean with the the Chargers at home. Just getting
2: some more – Injury updates in Marshawn Lattimore signed that big deal, but now he needs thumb surgery because he had to leave the game against the Packers. Oh. I don't know how long he's going to be out for, but that's not good because their defense looked really good. Oh, new story. Jason Verrett for the Nordic 49ers has a torn right at ACL. So he's probably done for the oh, year. Raheem Mostert slated for further testing, but they're not, concerned that he's going to be like out for the year or anything like that so that's the update that i have all of more on that uh tomorrow let's talk about wide receivers and just a couple streams for waiver wire before we get out of here so here's the like the bank of names that i have right now Sterling Shepard, Zach Pascal, uh, Terrace Marshall, Christian Kirk, KJ Osborne, Tim Patrick, Jamison Crowder, Nelson Aguilar. I wrote down Trinity Benson just because I thought the name Trinity was hilarious. And the new Matrix trailer <laughs> dropped, and I got kind of pumped for the new Matrix Thanks. trailer. But those were the names that, that that I had. Do you want to throw anyone on that list who's like like a serious name? But I think all those guys like you could feasibly pick up. I don't know about KJ Osborne, but I know that he's a hundred percent available.
1: Yeah, he is, and pretty much Pascal is too, and you and I chatted about him. That's your guy, right? When we did the, I think the, the, what is it, week before the actual week, week one started in the NFL, we talked just about a couple guys who could help you out, and T.Y. Hilton left, I believe it was like the night before, he had that had injury. Pascal is... Man, he's interesting. I like him more than Paris Campbell. Like, he's the guy that, that gets on the field a little bit more in, in two wide receiver sets. He's in there, 11 personnel. He's in there. The the three wide receiver sets is is really when just Pascal gets in there and or when Paris Campbell gets in there. It was only five targets, and Hines led the team in targets. But who knows, man? Maybe this could be Carson Wentz's guy. He certainly was his guy inside the red zone today. I, I don't think there's really any other names. I thought Osborne was interesting because it's, it's for a long time now, like last year especially, there was only just two wide receivers in Minnesota, and that was it. Like, it, that's just it. A <laughs> little, We got excited about the tight end, and Irv Smith went down, and Cochland basically played a majority of the snaps. But, I mean, maybe he could carve out a role. It's there's there's an opportunity for a third pass catcher in this offense after delvin cook like it could be him but i don't know if we'll ever feel confident starting him like i would rather i think pascal no
2: i think i'd rather roll the dice on kj osborne only because his dreads were covering his name and i just kept seeing this guy 17 and just Oa. oh yeah i, was <laughs> I like, noticed that, i was yeah. like what the fuck is oh who is this guy and i was like that i had to go <laughs> yeah. into like the death chart and i was like I don't know who this is. Like I, I should have been paying more attention to what's going on with KJ Osborne, and maybe it's an outlier situation where Cincinnati's pass defense is just so bad that he was able to rake it up, and they really put an emphasis to try to shut down Jeff- Justin Jefferson and basically just left him wide open. But it did seem, like you said, without bigger around, even BC Johnson being on IR, that he can't be around. If there is the potential for someone to step up in this offense, where it's not just Thielen and Jefferson all the time. They're going to be the top two, obviously. Um, but if yeah, if and, you know just.
1: To- I, I, go ahead go ahead so no, no, no I was just gonna say yeah my bad my bad I was just gonna say that uh, I'm just looking at the snap counts and like he played 67 snaps So that's pretty significant actually basically playing as much as the other two guys Pat like Thielen plays 78 and Jefferson plays 76 so the fact that he played as many snaps as he did you're right maybe it has something to do with the Bengals or maybe there's going to be a role here for a third wide receiver it could potentially be him Jason Peters as I'm watching the game right now you're very familiar with
2: he's Jason old. Peters, aren't you? Yes. He's already yes. hurt. He's put in
1: some good years in Philadelphia. Yeah. Uh, man, I feel for that guy. And he's playing on the wrong side, right? He's playing on the left side, which is something I did. I think he did in Philadelphia a few times. But yeah, man, a uh, really good career for Jason Peters. But um, injuries have really always slowed him down. But over the past few years, especially, uh, that's, that's I mean, I don't think the Bears expected too much from him. But to be hurt. Is the game even at half? No, it's not. Did Montgomery get in there? Touchdown? Yeah, yeah, Mon- Mon- yeah. He's hurt already. That's a that's a bummer.
2: Yeah, Montgomery just snuck it in. So Montgomery continues to be fed. He's actually running pretty well against the Rams, shockingly enough. Even a uh, even after that first like big run, he's been like just breaking off little chunks of yardage. Finds Pater so you know, he's he's exactly what you he's thought. He's good back. Hey, he's he's okay. He's very fine.
1: I think he's good back. He's okay. I think he's a good running back. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I think it just I think the reasons that we 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 wonder or have questions about him is Matt Nagy. Like it's Matt Nagy. The usage over the the two years.
2: So looking at this, Sterling Shepard. Obviously, Kenny Galladay is going to be more and more healthy. Evan Ingram's eventually going to return. Kadarius Toney will have more than two catches for negative two yards. Kadarius Toney and Elijah Moore both finished in the negatives for receiving yards today, which I thought was kind of hilarious for guys. I mean, Moore was getting talked up. It's like, oh my God, he's going to have a great week because there's no Jamison Crowder. All it taught me this week, and maybe it won't be for week two, but moving forward, Zach Wilson wants to throw to Jamison Crowder. Jamison Crowder just wasn't there. So we had to throw to fucking Braxton Berrios all day. Crowder is going to eat with Zach Wilson once he comes back.
1: Yeah, Crowder's a good wide receiver. The, the the positive for Elijah Moore is that he basically played every single snap, which is rare for a rookie, but they were shorthanded, like you said. And Jameson Crowder is just good when when he's healthy and, and he's playing, he's been good inside this offense. And quarterbacks have leaned on him, you know, in Washington, and Sam Darnold did lean on him quite a bit. I agree. I think when when Jameson Crowder comes back, you know, it's it's I Let's see, Elijah Moore is probably the guy that's more owned, but Crowder would be, for me, the guy that should be started. I like Elijah Moore. It's going to take some time for the rookie. He really didn't play at all in the preseason. He was dealing with an injury. But it's the offense is going to run through Jamison Crowder and Corey Davis. So those are going to be the two guys.
2: Yeah, I agree. So I think that Crowder is going to be a fine fantasy asset moving forward. And everyone will, probably has dropped him already. He went undrafted in a lot mm-hmm. of places. I think I would go Shepard over Crowder over Osborne. Christian Kirk's going to be in this mix. But, like, I've seen Christian Kirk do this before. And then next week he'll have one catch for four yards. Like, that's e- – is not bad to have on your team if you're like a shitty team and you need to like try to outscore like you need 40 points from someone like Christian Kirk because he's someone who has that ceiling but Arizona's not going to score
1: 40 points every week no they're not and he did play a little bit more than Rondell Moore but Rondell Moore's a rookie we just had that conversation and, and there's more guys here in this offense yeah Kirk is you know an upside guy he's linked to Kyler Murray he's probably at best only going to be the the third, fourth option. Like Chase Edmonds is probably going to get more targets than him. AJ Green played more snaps, but I'm not a big believer in AJ. So I think it's just those two are going to battle it out. And I think over time, Rondell has that, that role inside the slot. Where I think I'm more excited about Rondell, even though like Kirk had that game and had the two touchdowns. He did this last year. Like you said, there was multiple games where he hardly touched the ball and, he found a way to to score touchdowns, whether it's a deep throw or a couple end-arounds. I think he's a decent depth piece, but things would have to happen inside this offense. Like, AJ would definitely have to be dust and get hurt for for us to feel good about Kirk, but I don't think he should be hanging around the waiver wire. Like, Kyler is absolutely amazing, and it was on full display today. Five total touchdowns.
2: Yeah, but you can only own so many guys on your team. Like, who are you dropping for these guys is the thing. Yeah, I mean... I you, don't know.
1: You I'm not just, just anyone. <laughs> Nobody's coming to my head right now. Who I would draw? Yeah, you know. like
2: you. You just finished your draft. Obviously, you would like the guys that you draft. You're not bailing on people after one week to pick up fucking Christian Kirk.
1: No, you should. Uh, yeah, and you should be patient with some of these rookies, right? Like a Terrace Marshall, who you know got some play today. Rondell, even Elijah Moore. Like we just talked about Crowder, but I would still be patient with some of these rookies. You're right. You're not starting them. You just you know they're going to carve out a role eventually. I'm not thinking anybody, you know, Kirk. Yeah. Kirk was undrafted in most leagues. You know, you have to be pretty thin at the wide receiver position. Like even a guy like Marcus Calloway, I still think I would like, and I'm just like, okay, this was a game against Jair Alexander. I think, think Calloway, like, let's not overreact. Maybe people overreact and drafted him a lot earlier after the couple preseason games, but he's still most likely going to be the guy inside this offense until, you know, Thomas comes back. Like that's one guy that I'm thinking that people may think about dropping.
2: Yeah, potentially so. Deontay Harris actually looked pretty decent in that game. He had the long touchdown, but it's not like... Jameis just didn't... Th- we don't... I don't feel like we know anything about the Saints in week two because of what happened in week one. Like, it was such a weird game script that I just don't think that they're going to find themselves in a town. It's like the Texans in that way, too. Yeah. Like, the, the Texans game script tells me absolutely nothing because they're not winning by three touchdowns every week.
1: No, they're they're not. Yeah, it's it's the outlier game. That's what we were talking about with Mark Ingram. Like, it's he's probably never ever gonna have that many touches ever again. I guess maybe they play Jacksonville one more time. I'm just looking at wide receivers and take a look at ownership. You know, uh, Mikael Hardman definitely played ahead of, of Pringle. You know, Demarcus Robinson played more snaps than him, but I, I would be patient on Hardman. Not that I expect a whole lot, but that's one guy that, that maybe people are asking questions to. Oh, you, yeah, you know, you know, you know what you can do like with him? You, 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 yeah,
2: you, you, can, you shouldn't have drafted him to begin with and feel free to cut him because he, he's garbage. He's not good. He's going yeah, to have four good games this year. You never know when to start him. Just play him for like $3,400 on DraftKings after he has four bad weeks in a row. Like, I would rather have Sterling Shepard or Jamison Crowder. Fuck, I'd rather have Tim Patrick. I think Tim Patrick with Judy Hurt is going to be a good pickup.
1: Yeah, he's just a good wide receiver. He was a good wide receiver last year when Cortland Sutton was hurt. He was a deep threat guy. He's got great hands. I think he's a terrific wide receiver, actually. Yeah, I'm super excited about him. I agree. I'd rather have him over uh, a Hardman as well. I'm looking at other guys that ownership that I'd rather have, like Shepard, you mentioned 39%, you know, Parker 39%. I'd rather have like Russell gauge. Like that's guy. That's a guy you can cut. Like I would cut Russell gauge for Christian Kirk or any of the other wide receivers that we're talking about. Okay. Why are we get, why should we get excited about Russell gauge?
2: Absolutely. But I'd rather just pick up, like I wouldn't be Christian Kirk who I went to go pick up. Like, I think I'd rather would I want Terrace Marshall or Christian Kirk, I think is a good conversation. Marshall,
1: Marshall. Marshall.
0: I
2: think Yeah, I think I'd want Marshall because it's not like I'm picking up Christian Kirk like, man, i got to play him in week two. It's like, no, you're picking him up for your bench. So give me the higher upside guy who could actually be good rather than spike week guy who, I, don't know, I-, I just don't want a part of that type of receiver. There's no consistency there and they're just more bad than good. Hardman is exactly the same as Christian Kirk, except he's worse. The big difference is he plays for the Chiefs. So people are like, oh my God, if Tyreek Hill got hurt, watch out for Hardman. It's like, no, that's not how it works at receiver.
1: No I agree with you hundred percent, yeah, and then they out of Arizona and they they said when they drafted no more that Kirk would be the guy in the slot, and they would he would have a role. he never played in the slot once in the preseason or in this game here today, so he's just a yeah, he's just a guy that that shows up here and there. you have him in best ball, great you the, the weeks that you start christian Kirk he'll put he'll give you zeros
2: yeah thats that's always how it goes be- great best ball play though, meanie.
1: As we saw yeah, today. great best ball play. Yeah, we see it. Yeah, and, and Hardman will have those games too. And I'm sure you and I will talk in week four when Hardman has a great game, and we'll tell people, don't get fooled by Hardman having the big game. The offense runs through two players. I guess C- CEH, you can potentially buy low. He basically played all the snaps. It's Tyreek Hill, and it's Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to look here. Who played the
2: highest percentage? You know Najee Harris played 100% of the Steelers 100%. Snaps. <laughs>
1: and an underwhelming game. But the fact that he played as a rookie is, is very, very telling of what kind of usage he's going to have this year.
2: Ben was actively trying not to get him catches. Every time he ran out of the backfield, Ben would just make the worst throw to Najee Harris. It would be like three feet behind him. He'd have to stop like, Oh, like it was, there was one inside like the 10 yard line. He just, he threw it. He was he ran to the outside. And he was cutting up towards the end zone, and Ben threw it over his back shoulder the other direction. And then he was like giving maybe Najee ran the wrong route. I don't know. He was like giving him shit. Najee's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like it was a horrible throw. Ben had some bad throws, and that that defense is awesome though. Right, and the and also oh, the de- the Bills defense might be really good too.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's the type of game that I expected, Pat, just, uh, you know, an offensive struggle and, you know, a slugfest on defense, both defenses. Yeah. Really, really good. I don't think we can fault Josh Allen and, (laughs) big Ben is just, he's not that great anymore. And I think, you know, what the bills did last year, they, they did the same thing this time around, just kind of stack the box and make big Ben try to, you know, beat him, beat them with his arm and try to throw deep down the field. And he just he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it last year, and he's not going to be able to do it this year. I really like Chase Claypool, but you you could see in that game they were trying to find ways to to get him the football with a couple end arounds because typically, I mean, it's only been one year, but he was the deep threat guy inside that offense, and you know he scored a lot of touchdowns. He had a high A dot, and you know it's a big playability there inside that offense. But it was more juju. I think it was just the the way that you play against the Bills and. You can attack them in the slot. And Juju had a great game last year against him. He had a good game this year against him. But Big Ben is going to be, he's, man, he's, he's just old, dude. Like he's, it's going to be frustrating at times to have some of these wide receivers or Najee Harris, to your point. Like, guy, he's open. Like, make the pro. You don't need to overthrow him like that. But yeah, it's hopefully they draft a quarterback soon. They got to do it next year.
2: I'll have the full count on Monday and we'll have it as a part of the free advanced stats hub up at runthesims.com once that information gets loaded in. I believe that's going to be on Monday morning, but I'm just looking at the early results from it right now. The running backs who played over 70% of their team's offensive snaps, it was Harris, McCaffrey, Zeke, Mixon, Carson, Mike Davis, Devin Singletary with the moss inactive and that was it from at least the early and early games and late games, just the early games it looks like. Now early games and late games. Interesting. Mm. That's not a lot. And listen, Mike Davis, Mike Davis did exactly what Mike Davis scores a touchdown in that game. That's the Mike Davis that you tried to draft. That's a guy who got like six targets touched had 16 carries. Like what else do you want from, what else more do you want from Mike Davis? Really?
1: No, that's it. Yeah. It's, I mean, I was just taking a shot at the team overall. I mean, he's not going to be a guy that's going to ever rack up a ton of yards on the ground. I thought that Atlanta did a good job in the first half, actually running the football. They were kind of running it all over Philadelphia and then the Eagles made some adjustments. Yeah, he's just a—you hope that he falls into the end zone week in a week out. But he's, you know, his his true upside is in the passing game. If he can catch five or six passes here and there, then, yeah, I mean, fifty-three snaps of Cordell Patterson's twenty-four snaps, fifty-three out of seventy-one. You no know, Wayne Goldman. I think you know you got him as an RB two as a flex guy. It's fine.
2: All right, that'll do it. I'm Pat Mayo, experience Chris Meaney ftndaily.com ftnbets.com ftnfantasy. is it just one site now where i can go to
1: it is yeah now officially if you go to one of those sites you'll see up at the top like the green ftn or the the purple ftn will bring you to ftndaily or ftmbets yeah so just the one site to, you know i know it was a little confusing maybe this time last season but we got everything together now all the links are there and all the content on all of the sites it's easy to navigate on those sites. All the tools can be found on a lot of those sites as well, like Yard, which is a free tool. that something that I'll be diving into tomorrow, looking at just touches and targets and snap counts and just opportunities, you know, targets plus, you know, carries. And we'll see who the big week one winners were because it's just one week, right? Like, we don't need to overreact. I know you went through some of the teams and it was, it was nice to, to roll through that with you, but there were some outlier performances, I do believe, like maybe the Titans' offense, the Packers overall as a team. Maybe they took the Saints a little bit too lightly, uh, but it'll be interesting moving forward. You said you wanted to talk about Carson Wentz. I didn't see too much of that game from Wentz, oh. but man, Naheem Hines, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's going to be a guy that probably finishes top four and catches again among running backs.
2: Yeah, here's the thing about Carson Wentz. He sucks. Like he's god awful. Like he's really bad. <laughs> yeah. You know, and that's the whole he thing. Like, when you brought yeah. up Zach Pascal, I know he caught two touchdowns, but. Mm-hmm if he's not catching two touchdowns, he'll have like one fantasy point. He's not throwing to these
1: receivers cause he can't throw. I know. It seems like something is just uh, in his head. I didn't see that with him in the first couple of years in Philadelphia. Maybe it's a confidence thing. I don't know. He seems to panic, man. Like he just uh, it's, it's, it certainly does feel like it is a confidence thing. He, you know, guys are wide open and he misses throws and, he holds on to the ball too long and and other times, you know, he gets rid of it too quickly. It's it's really weird. And, and I guess the hope is in Indy that Frank Wright can, can get him right as a guy that, you know, I'm sure it was a big reason why the Eagles drafted him. He was the offensive coordinator there and they probably saw some strengths. I know that it was an early pick, but they traded some capital to move up to get Carson Wentz second overall but not a good first game I didn't think for for Carson Wentz it was just a lot of checkdowns and I think we'll probably see that like I don't think I want any wide receiver to be honest like inside this offense even when T.Y. comes back I'm just not going to want to play anybody besides Hines or Taylor I, I think you're spot on about that
2: maybe one of the tight ends develops into someone that like, has the trust of Carson Wentz the other thing I wanted to bring up Teddy Bridgewater is now I believe 22 and 3 against the spread on the road as a starter now Good quarterback, man. Game He's manager. Good. 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 He did some Yeah, oh, he, he is good. He made he some, some nice things. throws against the Giants. Like we talked about the Hamler one that got dropped. Like he made some other nice ones too down the field. Like it's funny because when he came out of Louisville, people thought like he was going to be really good as like a thrower. And then he hurt his knee and then he just wasn't really the same. And then all of a sudden he reinvented himself as this game manager. There still might be something in there, like upside-wise for Teddy B
1: absolutely like he's a good quarterback yeah and I really I think I learned that with the Saints I know it was a really good football team when he took over from Drew Brees but I was impressed with what he did and then you know at times last year with Carolina and even took shots at you know Carolina the 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 play callers and the coaching staff on how like they never practiced red zone uh, offense which was really mind-boggling to me or like the two-minute drill just something that you know they didn't practice and he, he wanted to practice it so it seems like he's he's clearly motivated, but he's just a very accurate quarterback. And I think that's the big takeaway for me is that they just didn't have that last year with drew lock. Like drew lock just didn't care about throwing it into triple coverage and and throwing it way over guys heads. And Judy dealt with a lot of drops, but I think a lot of it was just one, how they used him, but also the fact that, you know, drew lock is just awful. So I think really good first game for Teddy Bridgewater one thing I noticed from that game too, I think maybe people were like, oh, Melvin Gordon was the big game. I think Javante Williams, you know, he had more carries, more snaps, slightly more snaps. He was basically 50-50. But when they were running out the game, it was actually him that they were giving the ball to. And Melvin Gordon had that big run. It may be a 50-50, 60-40 type deal, but I think a very positive first game for Javante Williams. If you're selling high on a candidate, it probably wouldn't sell Melvin Gordon, but he would be like one of those maybe potential sell highs and like if you could go a two for one and get yourself a Zeke or get yourself a, I don't know who's a high end running back who also sucked a Derek Henry. I don't know. People are weird. You know that people are weird. Uh, they'll be asking you tomorrow what to do with Zeke and Derek Henry, which I don't think you should do anything.
2: No, I think that Najee's really the one that kind of flies under the radar here. Man, he played 100 percent of the snaps. I will take that going. I'll man, yeah. I'll take Zeke going forward too. He doesn't he doesn't have to play Tampa every single week. It's not that big of a deal. Anyway, I will let you get out of here to watch the second half of this game. So thank you all for watching. You can follow Chris Meanie on Twitter at Chris Meany and check out Mean Streets every single day. Yeah, it's Monday through Friday, isn't it? Monday through Friday. Yeah. So you watch it over on it's on bets.tv.
1: It's on, uh, well, it's on my Twitter. We stream live from Twitter. It's on Game Plus TV and uh, it's the airs at two Eastern, five Eastern, but we stream live from my Twitter account you can check it out on the FTN YouTube page. And yeah, we'll be hitting on all things. It's a straight up football show. I know people, uh, some people like to hear me talk hockey, but no chance. It's straight up football all week, every day.
2: Yeah. Monday through Friday, just search mean streets on Apple podcasts as well and follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Meany. So you can find it up there. The Pat Mayo Experience, I told you. You can win 250 bucks of a pool of 1000 Just hit the description. You can find the quick link to rate, review, and sub on Apple Podcasts. To the show, smash a like on the way out. And I hope you had a great week one. I will be back on Monday with more information, more waiver wires, and guess what? Golf's back. 12 DraftKings picks and bets with Andy Lack on that. Well, I will see you next time. Pat
0: Mayo Experience! Experience!